Praise God. How many know the Lord is enough? He's more than enough. Amen. It is so good to be here tonight. Apostolic Revival Center in Carson City. Praise God. Give honor and respect to Pastor Hood in his absence. And I just want to try to fulfill the will of the Lord here tonight. Minister to this great church. And I know you would normally be hearing your pastor on Wednesday night. So I'm sorry for you too. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. He'll be back home soon, and back behind this good desk, and the revival that you're having soon is great. Love it. How many know the Lord wants to do great things? Amen. God, God has a purpose. God has a plan. God has a will. God has a desire, and I want to make sure I'm right in the middle of that. Whatever, God, you want from me, whatever you want me to do, I want to be willing to do it. You know, it's interesting enough, we've heard throughout the ages, uh, people have mentioned the voice of the Lord and hearing from God, and then, I don't know, I guess we become a little skeptical at times of people that say they hear from the Lord. I don't really think the Lord is speaking any less than He has in the past. I'm just concerned if we might be too busy too much distractions to hear the voice. You remember the story of Elijah when he was in the cave? The Bible said there was a great earthquake, there was lightning, etc., different elements. The Bible says the voice of the Lord was not in those. And there was a still, quiet voice of God speaking to the prophet Elijah. And this, this term in your Bible grabs me. The Bible says he wrapped his face in the mantle not to read into that more than what's there, but it's kind of like he covered his mouth and stopped complaining. And you, if you read the previous verses there, he was complaining to God, God, I'm the only one left who hasn't bowed my knee to Baal. You know, Jezebel's after me to kill me and all this stuff. You know. I think we've all been in that place where it'd be easy to open our mouth and complain and uh, try to pour out our frustrations to God. But when he stopped and all of the dust settled, so to speak, there was a still, small voice. I do not want to become so busy and so cluttered, and that's easy to do, so cluttered in life that I miss the still, small voice. You know, we have so many distractions in this day and hour, so many things that to me is almost clogging the airways of spiritual things. I told my wife this a day or two ago. I was doing a little bit of reading about a church in Indianapolis. It's, uh, it's my home state, Indiana, where I'm originally from, but the capital city of Indianapolis. Back in the early 1900s, I think it was 1908, a man by the name of G.T. Haywood started that church flourished, people received the Holy Ghost, and then the revelation of Jesus' name and Jesus' name, baptism, and the Godhead came to G.T. Haywood, and he rebaptized his entire church. I don't know the exact numbers. I think it was over 400 people. And I know that's 100 plus years ago. 
But there was something that I read that grabbed me. They said that they had church every single night of the week. And scripture reading every morning. People would come to church in the afternoons and basically spend the rest of their day there till the evening time. You know, I know there's differences of schedules. I'm sure Carson City deals are the same thing as Sparks. We've got people working. Some of them have to work evenings and different shifts. and They're working nights on off church nights and what have you. And it's just, I guess, where we're at. But if you start comparing, and I know it's kind of hard to, but when you start comparing to us and them a hundred years ago, they had no cars, more than likely. They had no cell phones. They had very few distractions, very little money. Very little money. They barely had enough to make it. But they relied on God. We become so increased with the things of this world, and I, believe me, I love the modern conveniences. I'm glad I drove to church tonight. I'm glad that my ride was a hybrid, considering gas is almost $6. My wife took my truck to church, only five miles. I took the van. I appreciate all the modern conveniences. But is it becoming distractions where we can't hear that still small voice? How many want to hear the voice of the Lord? I want to pray and hear his voice. I want to come to church and hear his voice through the preaching of the word. I want to dedicate. I feel the Lord right now. I want to make sure I'm dedicated and consecrated to God and the things of God. I don't want to be too busy that God is an afterthought. I don't want to be too caught up in this life that God is second, third, or fourth. What did Jesus say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Help us, Lord, to put him first. Amen. God bless you. God bless you wonderful folks. Carson, let's turn to Luke chapter 1. Get into the word of the Lord here for a few moments. I'm going to read several verses just to try to give a backdrop of the story that we'll be using tonight. Luke chapter 1, we'll start in verse 1. Luke writes, verse 1, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. 
There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiyai, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias, or Zacharias, saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. And shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. He shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias or Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people for the Lord." Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. Behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words." which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zechariah and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. He remained speechless. We would continue in this story. We have the visitation then of the angel with Mary. Then we have once John was born. They wanted to call him whatever, Zechariah, the name of his father. He said, no, John, because that was the name of or what the angel told him to call him, John, John the Baptist. Let's pray here tonight. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your touch. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Pray, God, you would speak to us for the next few moments. We love you, and we give you praise and honor and glory. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word of the Lord. Somewhat of a familiar story, Luke chapter 1. Tonight I want to talk to us on this simple thought, the day that God remembered his promise. The day God remembered his promise. In Luke, uh, Luke, the physician, this writer of the gospel, takes a little, I guess, different angle as he begins to talk about 
the prior event to John the Baptist and ultimately Jesus Christ. Our Bible is a story, a great story. And that story is about a Savior whom we know as Jesus. But there were a lot of things that were happening around the will and the work of God. There were a lot of things not only in Scripture but in history that take place. Anything that's historical but not biblical, I just quoted as being a historical supposed fact. I don't know that we have facts unless we were there. Obviously, outside of the Bible, we do not base doctrine. However, history is very interesting. If you look at history between the books of Malachi and then the New Testament book of Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we have a lot of things that went on, a lot of things that happened. They call that the intertestament period between Malachi and Matthew. Some even call it a silent time, a dark time. But there was a lot going on in the world in those 400 and some years. We could talk about different men that rose to power throughout the closing days of the prophets up to the time of Jesus Christ. We have world powers such as Persia. Then we have world powers such as Greece under Alexander the Great. We have different uh, wars and changes in political powers. Kind of sounds like I'm reading a headline from today, but I'm just kind of grabbing some historical things. Alexander the Great and then the different wars and his conquest and then his early death and then his kingdom is scattering and we could talk about the Maccabean rule in Palestine, and again, this stuff is extra biblical. I love history, so uh, it, a lot I don't know. I'm not a scholar by any means, but I don't want to bore you with historical details. Uh, we could talk about Pompeii. We could talk about Mark Anthony. We could talk about Julius Caesar. We could talk about Caesar Augustus, who was the Roman emperor when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So all this stuff, get, get this in your mind, all of this stuff is going on in the world. The rise of Roman rule, an empire that is still admired a few thousand years later. Men who are conquering the world. Women such as Cleopatra who made her way on the world stage. Death and deception, suicide political upheaval. Again, I'm not reading modern headlines. We're just throwing out some old stuff. It's funny how history just repeats itself. It just over and over. Humanity, unfortunately, hasn't learned a lot. We still fight over the same things. Territory. Fight over power. Who's going to be the most powerful? Who can make their name great? Whether you can do that under a so, somewhat so-called civilization and democracy get your name up there or whether you do it in a more uh, dictator type power struggle and you tell everybody what to do and there's no democratic voting either way it's men and women trying to find power driven by pride anyways 
So we come to this time period that uh, everything is starting to wrap up, I guess you could say, to center around a manger and the birth of a baby who is sinless. Now, Caesar Augustus doesn't know this, but a king is going to be born that's going to change the world. Herod the Great was informed about it, and he tried to murder Jesus. All of these events that are in place, unraveling and unfolding, is fast-track straight to Bethlehem. But there was a minor small detail that needed to happen prior to Jesus, and that was the forerunner who we call John the Baptist. In our reading tonight, we're reading about his birth. But we could start pulling out verses that uh, spoke about or prophesied about him. Isaiah chapter 40. Uh, we could do Malachi, last prophet, or last, last prophetic book in our Bible. There was some small prophetic utterances throughout Scripture pointing to John the Baptist. And John the Baptist's role... As he said, when he pointed towards Jesus, behold the Lamb of God. John the Baptist's whole purpose was to prepare a people to receive their God. But that's kind of an important role. It's kind of an important thing. In Matthew chapter 11, when the disciples of John were sent to Jesus to ask, are you the one or should we look for another? And this is now at the end of his life. I'm kind of jumping ahead. John the Baptist was facing execution and wondering what was all going to happen with Jesus. And was his small, short ministry in vain as he was pointing people towards Jesus. And Jesus said, among women, there's not been one greater born than John. So it lets us know that John the Baptist was a very pivotal point in world history. He was a very iconic figure in Scripture declaring that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sins of the world. He baptized unto repentance. He was repair, preparing the way. He was pointing towards Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, anytime you point somebody to Jesus Christ, you have a big job to do. You have an important job. Anytime we, we try to direct somebody to Jesus, it's a big thing. It's an important thing. No matter how small it seems, anytime you share Jesus with somebody, you are fulfilling the purpose of God. Praise God. And so we have here in this story all of these things that are happening. I don't know where we're at. We could, I guess, try to look up what year, quote, unquote, they think John the Baptist was conceived and born. And that would, again, be somewhat of a guess. But somewhere in that, arena, possibly Caesar Augustus, no doubt he's already on the throne. Again, we're piecing together man's written history. As somebody said, the one who wins history is the one who's writing it. So you got to be careful, right? So just think about all this stuff going on. And then there's a priest by the name of Zechariah who's going to do the uh, the, the chore, the role of the incense in the temple. And he and his wife, Elizabeth, she was of the daughters of Aaron. 
they are for, they are performing their priestly duties, and he's going after the order of Abbei, which First Chronicles 24 tells you a bit more about that. But they, by course, by order, did their priestly duties, and he's there as no doubt he's been there before, because we know he's an old man and his wife is old, and he's there performing his priestly duty, and his wife is old and she is barren without child and they are both righteous before God uh, the nation around them is has lost their way they're more worried about what Roman king is going to rule them than they are about serving God but anyways they're doing their best to live for God in a very dangerous and political uh, mess if you please and he's there and that day in church an angel begins to appear to him as the multitude is outside praying. And the angel tells him, fear not. Usually if you see an angel, you'd probably be a little anxious at least. Fear not, Zechariah. He's there standing to do his priestly duty. Thy prayer is heard. Zechariah is an old man in there performing the priestly duties. And the angel said, fear not. For thy prayer is heard. I, I don't want to get into anything I can't peddle myself out of. But, you know, any couple, especially in those days, would want a child. And so I just imagined Zachariah and Elizabeth. This is my imagination. As a young married couple getting down and praying, God, would you please reward us with a child? I don't know what their prayers entailed. I don't know how long they prayed. But the angel said, thy prayer is heard. So we know that Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying. Now, for how long, I don't know. But based on his response, it seems to me it had been a long time since he'd prayed that prayer. He's an older man. He should be a grandfather. She should be a grandmother. And they were childless, so they had no child. They had no grandchildren. In my mind, they've moved on. They said their prayer in the years of childbearing. Those years are gone. Uh, things are rough for any Jew, anyone living in Palestine at that time. He's just going about his godly duty in the temple to perform the office of the priest. But on that day, in that moment, the angel stops him. and said, wait a minute, your prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Oh, yes, I'm telling you here tonight, somewhere a long time prior to this moment in Scripture, Elizabeth and, and, and Zechariah were praying, but God didn't answer at that time because it wasn't the right time. There had to be political movements. There had to be kings and Caesars in place. There had to be a young girl off across town who was about to herself receive an angelic visitation saying that you were going to bear the Christ child. Everything had to line up. Everything had to be in place. I come here tonight to preach for just a few moments. The day God remembers your prayers. Have you ever prayed something? Have you ever got on your knees and began to talk to God and say, God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to do that. God, I have this need in my life. But God didn't answer. 
And you got up and went about your duties. And then the next church service or the next prayer meeting, you got back down and you prayed again. But God didn't answer. God didn't come through day in, day out, year after year, night after night. And finally, okay, God, you just stop praying. I mean, Zachariah's old. Elizabeth's old. Nothing wrong with being old. But you're certainly not bearing children. And so the grandpa by faith, and you know grandpa, walks in thy prayer has been heard you see they forgot they didn't forget they were childless but they had done move past those prayers you know i don't i don't really i'm not saying they were bitter i'm not saying they were angry with god but i mean hey we've prayed for whatever if they got married in their teens or early 20s up to their 40 that's 20 20 years i'm just throwing out numbers here that the bible doesn't even say they prayed for 15 20 years and no answer and so, I mean, hello, you just stop praying. Move on to your next prayer. They forgot. God didn't forget. You see, when you pray, when I pray, we take it to God. And in our humanity, when the answers don't come right away or things don't align the way we're praying, you know, godly people, we're just going to keep praying. We'll move on to the next thing. Leave that in God's hands. And after a few years, how many of you ever forgot a prayer you prayed? You were in the Holy Ghost down on your knees praying, crying, talking in tongues, travailing. And you may have been 15, you may have been 20, you may have been 25. And I'm not saying you're old, but you're just a little bit older tonight. And you moved on. Something else to pray about. And you forgot. But God didn't forget. You see, our prayers are eternally recorded. They do not expire. They do not run out of date. Hallelujah. And, and we may be praying at times that's not the will of God, and he doesn't answer for reasons, and, and we leave that up to God, and we just keep praying and, and move on to the next prayer. But there are times, there are times when we pray in the Holy Ghost, and we do have the mind of God, and we are praying by faith, but it's just not the right time. And God put it in his book, and God will answer. In his time, in his way. All right, let's look at this here real quick. If we look at the name Elizabeth, it comes from the Old Testament Hebrew. Uh, Exodus 6 and verse 23, it was the name of Aaron's wife. Notice it said of the daughters of Aaron. They shared the name, a little different spelling, a little different pronunciation in New Testament versus Old Testament. But that Old Testament Hebrew name means God of the oath. God of the oath. Zechariah. Again, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, it's spelled a couple different ways in your Bible. And even in the New Testament, it has an S and seven H, Zechariah. If you go back to the Hebrew name, not here in the New Testament, the Old Testament, the Hebrew name is Zechariah. It simply means Yah, or God has remembered. God of the oath, married, God has remembered. And they're praying a prayer, and no answer's coming. Lord, come through, please. Please, just a child. Day in, day out, day in, day out. Believe it or not, I'm actually almost done. Day in, day out, day in, day out, day out, day out. And now we're old. 
And he comes walking. God has remembered. Zechariah comes walking up with Elizabeth, God of the oath. And on that day, God remembered their prayers. He said, okay, Zechariah, today's the day. It had been so long, Zechariah didn't even believe it. What? No, today's the day. It's going to happen. Well, how, how can this be? I mean, angels, the angel's already given him prophetic utterances from the Old Testament. He's a priest. He should know his Bible. He's already given him prophetic utterances. He's already told him your prayers have been heard. And he says, how, what, how? And the angel said, I am Gabriel. Kind of almost like that identity moment. Like, I'm telling you who I am and who I, I'm talking to you. I, I come from the presence of God, and I'm letting you know your prayer's been heard, and it's been answered. And because he would not believe it, the angel said, you are going to be dumb. You're not going to be able to talk until that child is born. And for nine months, Elizabeth could say as much as she wanted to, and Zachariah could only listen. If God doesn't have a sense of humor. Ladies, do not amen that. If God doesn't have a sense of humor. Nine months. She's going to read all the details of how she's going to plan the nursery. She's going to tell him the colors. She's going to go on and on and on. And he has to listen and cannot say one thing. God knows what he's doing. Praise God. That's the last time I bet he doubted. (laughs) He can't defend himself. Can you imagine an argument? There is no argument. Not a shake. Not a shake. Last time he doubted. When they get ready to name that baby Zachariah, he said, wait a minute. I just got my voice back. The angel said, John, and we're going to do what the angel says. I've come to tell us tonight, and I've encouraged you. You need to, you need to stop for a moment. Because I don't care how long ago it's been. You knelt in this church or your home or somewhere else. And you began to pray. And you felt you had the mind of God. But then the prayer was not answered. You knelt down on your knees. And in great earnest and tears, began to cry out to God. But then time has a way of moving us on. Other things happen. I'm just imagining, you know, Zachariah and Elizabeth living in this messed up world they were in. Wars and power struggles and Caesars and, and, and all kinds of, even the Jews that were zealots killing and rot. I mean, it was a mess. But somewhere as Caesar Augustus is rising to power, shaking his fists at a world, there was a small young married couple who were praying prayers that God was eternally recording. And there's been times in this world we shook our head thinking, my God, what's going on? But we went and did our godly duty and we prayed and God heard those prayers. And when God makes a promise... He doesn't forget. Has God ever promised you anything? Has God ever promised you a loved one? 
to be saved? Has God ever promised you he would take care of you even in the worst of times? Has God promised this? You know, I, I don't know all the history of this church. I'm sure God has made promises to this church. God has made promises to this, this assembly. And you think, my God, how long, how long, how long? And, and, and you know, at times we just kind of move past those prayers. And they've been, they may have been prayed in here 20 years ago, 30. I, I don't know. You, you, know, you know that better than I do. And we just kind of move on. And what we don't realize is God heard those prayers. And they're stored up. Let's stand tonight. Musicians, whatever needs to happen. However y'all do things. Prayers that were prayed. Commitments that were made. Consecrations and dedications. Then time moves on. We just kind of forget. God never forgets. Not one prayer. Not one word spoken. I feel what I'm feeling. I've talked with your pastor. We've talked about these regions and cities we're in. We've talked revival. We both are relatively young. We don't have the histories that are in both of our churches. I, I, I don't know when this church was founded and started. I, I can't even give an exact year of our, our church in Sparks. I'm assuming the 60s. A long time ago long before my time. I want to tell this congregation something, and I, I'm sure Brother Hood would concur with me, or at least in his way. When I stepped to the pulpit in Sparks, Souls Harbor, and I began to preach, I can feel myself connecting with God, and then it's almost like I can feel prayer and anointing latch hold of me. Prayers that have probably been paid, prayed many years ago. Some of them probably were prayed before I was even born, brother. I step to that desk and I open my Bible and I feel the anointing of God. And I know that has to be my commitment and my connection and my dedication to God. But it's not just me only. It, are eter it is eternal prayers that have been prayed in our assembly for so many years. And the same could be said here. The same could be said in your life. I don't, I don't know all your backgrounds. It doesn't matter. I just came tonight to encourage you. Don't stop praying. Don't stop calling on God. And then maybe tonight the Lord just wants to remind you of a prayer that's not been answered. Just kind of shake you a little bit and say, wait a minute. I still remember that. You keep praying. You keep doing what I want you to do. That's in my hands. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius is praying. The angel shows up. He says that prayers have been heard. They've come up as a memorial. I don't know how long Cornelius had prayed, but I have a feeling it was a long time. And finally, that memorial was so high in heaven, God dispatched angels to Cornelius. God started giving a vision to Peter. I don't want to get into all this tonight, but he had to push Peter to do what he was going to do. He had to push a Jew to preach to a Gentile. It's amazing to me. God's telling a man, you need to go preach. I've already got this man ready to receive the word, and Peter's arguing with God. Like, again, humanity doesn't change. 
all those prayers. One last thought, then we're going to pray. I've come to the realization of something here the last little while. There were times in my youth, young adulthood, and wherever you call this now, middle adulthood, where I was so uptight. I knew prayers I had prayed. I knew the touch and anointing of God. But it was just like days rolled on, brother. Thinking, God, I know what I felt. I know what you called. Just rolled on and on. And at times the frustration begins to mount. If I had to do over again, brother, I would have relaxed and enjoyed life a lot more. Not that I didn't. Not that I didn't. But I would have even more. You know why? Because what I didn't know is God had it all in his hand. He was just moving and working and adjusting and aligning. All the, I didn't know any of this stuff. I, I, again, we don't have time. Just putting everything where he wanted it. And here I am. Stressed. And God's got it all under control. Did anybody hear me here tonight? I want to encourage you here tonight. Keep praying. And I just feel like the Lord's trying to just remind you. There's prayers you've prayed. They've not been answered. But he's got it under control. And God never forgets. Let's love the Lord tonight. Jesus, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for your spirit and power and anointing. I thank you for your touch. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's all right, church. Let's talk to the Lord here for a few moments. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. 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 I wonder tonight, I wonder tonight, I know Wednesday night's usually probably Bible study and so forth, but I just wonder tonight if, if you have felt God strengthen you tonight and encourage you and remind you that he's heard every one of your prayers and he's got it under control. Can we gather up around this front and just let God touch us? God just anoint us and if you're thinking that maybe your praying is not working please don't think that keep praying if you feel like your prayers have just dropped to the floor and God's not listening don't think that keep praying because God has heard your prayers and he will answer in his due time Faith can move mountains, so I don't you try your faith out. Oh, faith.
Oh, that's it, church. Press toward the promises that God has for you. Press toward the promises God has for your family. Press for the promises that God has for your calling in each and every situation. Press forth. Why don't you sing it with Brother Johnson? Hallelujah, church. Let's give the Lord a hand, cup of praise. Thank you, Brother Riley, for ministering to us tonight. I know that word was received by me and, and many's in this, in this church. As you were coming to a close, I, I came across the thought, before David killed a giant, he had to kill a lion. And oftentimes... In, the, in a workplace, the worst thing you could do is put somebody in a position that they're not ready for and set them up for failure. I'm going to speak to somebody tonight. There may be a reason for why you haven't gotten that promise yet. Just like Brother Riley was saying, keep pressing on. Keep pushing towards your promise. Keep pressing for that spiritual maturity, spiritual growth, and eventually that promise will be granted unto you. If you believe that, let's say a prayer all over the house right now. God, we believe that your message tonight was anointed, Jesus, God. Thank you for speaking into every situation, God. God, thank you for promises that you've already granted and promises that you will continue to grant as time goes on, Jesus, God. Thank you for the trials you've given us to make us stronger, Jesus, God. God, thank you for using us and having your calling and anointing on every single one of us, God. God, and we thank you for Brother Riley tonight, Jesus. God, thank you for using him as a vessel to give a word to the church tonight, God. Everybody said Jesus' name and Jesus' name, amen. Shake hands, love one another. Thank you, Brother Riley, for ministering to us, to us tonight. We'll see everybody on uh, Sunday uh, for revival in Jesus' name.